37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a very special episode of Pixelated Paranormal. This is our big 300th episode. That's right, this marks our 300th official episode. And to celebrate, we're going to be sharing your listener stories that you sent in to us. And boy, howdy, do we have a lot of them. Now, I, of course, am Sean. I found a thinner tank top to wear this time. And with me, as always, is Preston. Preston, buddy, how are you? What's up, all you cool ghosts and goblins, you crocodoons and crocodingas, you skeletors and skeletons, witchers and witches, and I don't know, wherever the fuck else you want to be. I'm doing all right. <laughs> doing all right. Good. I got a, t- good, I got a, good, good. I got a, I got a tank top on, too, but... Uh, I got some some wider fucking straps on mine. Hey, that's all right, man. You are definitely exercising your Second Amendment rights with the right to bear those arms, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Well, now that we're off to the races, let's get things started. Preston, you just got back from a really nice trip with Jeffrey, celebrating your first year of wedded bliss. And on that, things got a little spooky. So why don't you kick things off with your own little paranormal uh, experience. Yeah, so originally what was planned was the wife and I were going to go down to Austin. And uh-huh. uh, no, let me back that up. So originally we were going to go back to San Antonio and we were going to stay at the Emily Morgan Hotel, which used to be a hospital and a nun convent. And it's like, oh, Aust- or it's Texas' most haunted hotel. So we were going to chill uh-huh. there. And then she came across some information that Aerosmith was on their Peace Out tour. And Dad, that was like the first concert Dad had ever taken me to. And every time after that, Uh Aerosmith would come to town. Dad would always buy tickets and we would always go. So she thought that it would be really nice and very sweet if we went to go see... Aerosmith, even though you know Dad's not going to be there, it's just something we I always did with him, and so what better way to celebrate our anniversary than you know seeing Aerosmith and thinking of Dad? And I was like, "Fuck yeah, honey, it's the best thing ever!" And so we kind of we changed our we changed our plans around. So uh-huh. being able to go to Austin to see Aerosmith right outside of Austin is Waco. They have the haunted Dr Pepper museum tour at night. So we did that. That was uh, the first thing on the on the list, and mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a creepy building at night. We took the tour during the day. She made a green apple Dr Pepper. Tasted amazing. I did not make mm-hmm. Dr Pepper. Uh, we went back at night. And, <laughs> yeah. So there was uh, back in like the early '30s. There was a tornado that had hit downtown Waco, and um, part of the building fell on top of a guy, crushed and killed him there. And then there, when you walk up to the second floor, 
they call it the black room. They've uh, painted all the, the walls black, and they have, like, a TV screen so they can play uh, 19, you know, 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, all the Dr. Pepper commercials, um, they play those. So that side of the wall on the outside of the building, uh, the tornado mm-hmm. had, had thrown a bunch of birds um, into the wall. So there's a lot of reports Ew. of EB, EVPs and other things that you can hear. Like, of birds? Yeah, like like the, of the beaks hitting the brick and the birds dying and like walking <laughs> oh, and stuff. That's terrible. Right? So we, oh we, didn't, we, we didn't hear any of that, but it kept sounding like people, because the group, you know, we were all together, so there was maybe like seven of us, but it sounded like you could hear doors slam and you could hear people uh-huh. walking around. So we're like, you know, eh, that's kind of fucking creepy. And then I started to get this sharp pain right across the upper part of my chest. It was like this kind of like on oh, the weird. my clavicle bone, you know, this area right uh-huh. here. And then the lady's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Jerry, who used to be a truck driver, uh, he stayed one night during a storm and uh, was going to deliver the Dr. Pepper to the good people of Waco, and a tornado hit, and uh, he got crushed underneath the rubble. And then I'm just like, fuck, you know, like, dude, my fucking chest hurts. And then Uh we kind of go around the building, and we, you know, get all the rest of the history, and, you know, the... Two of the tour guys were actually really nice. There was one of them that was really annoying, and she was uh, doing the whole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I. You know what? If you're listening, you you need to learn how to be a better tour guide, Samantha or whatever your name was. So, anyways, <laughs> she had the uh, what do you call those uh, the uh, the the rods that they use to uh, detect the water? Um, dowsing rods. Dowsing rods. And so mm-hmm. they would ask questions, and then, you know, they would say, you know, move the rods in for yes or no, and you would see the rods move. And then, like, they pull somebody out of the crowd and have them hold it, and they ask the same thing. They do the questions, and you get yes mm-hmm. or no. So, you know, there was that. And then they're like, well, when we get over to the other building, there's the basement. And the <clears throat> really annoying girl's like, oh, yeah, we had a team of ghost hunters come in here one time, and they said there's a demon down there. And the other two girls that were leading the tour, like, their face just kind of like, oh, my God, will you not tell people this? And so <laughs> we, go over, we go over to the basement, and um, honestly, it, it just smelled like uh, – you remember when we went to the Museum of Living, Sh- or, uh, Living Shadows in Nebraska? The Museum of Shadows? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that dank basement, antique old-timey smell – that's that's what this basement smelt like, but uh, I just really mm-hmm. got it like this heavy feeling over me, um, like it was just really kind of hard to breathe, and I'm just like, dude, we got to get the fuck out of this basement. So that that was it. That that was the Dr Pepper haunted museum tour. I I think that if you'd like a little bit of history on Dr Pepper and how uh, you know it, it changed America, because mm-hmm. uh, they did a study showing that your blood sugar levels drop at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., uh-huh. and 4 p.m. And if you look on uh-huh. the bottle, the old-time Dr. Pepper bottles, it said recharge at 10 to 4. And so the, uh-huh. the study was that because Dr. Pepper is so loaded with sugar that uh, if you were low on sugar, you could actually give yourself a boost of energy 
um, at 10, 2, and 4. And so it was always promoted as a health drink uh, to make you feel better throughout the day. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. growing up, my grandmother would only drink Dr. Pepper. And like I'm like, why? And she's like, it's good for you. And I'm like, the grandma is like loaded with <laughs> sugar. Like, this is shit. But then uh... I, I realized like, oh, that's because she was brainwashed back when it first came out because it was promoted mm-hmm. as a health drink that you should drink at 10 to 4 every day. So that side mm-hmm. of it was pretty cool. So I always say, like, um, if you're interested in the history of stuff, you should go do, you know, you should go do it. And so the next part of our anniversary extravaganza, uh, we were going to go see Aerosmith, but the wife got on the website and they're like, uh, hey, bad news, it's canceled. So <sighs> we met our brother-in-law, or my brother-in-law, her brother, we met him a day early. And... Uh-huh. Uh, you remember we, we've covered it on the show before, but, uh, back in the thirties or forties, there was a guy in Wisconsin that found a frozen Bigfoot and it was like, uh, he put him in a, like an ice chest and took him across America. And, um, he, uh, he got like raided by the FBI because they were like, this could be an actual, we don't believe it's a Bigfoot, but mm-hmm. it could be an actual dead body. And uh, it kind of, like, disappeared. Well, in Austin, Texas, the the Museum of uh, Weirdness bought that <laughs> fucking body. Really? And to this no day, it has its own special room. It is in uh-huh. a freezer still being frozen. Like, it's got water condensation on the top. Like, you can feel the sides. Like, you can still see the frozen bodies some 60-odd years later if you go to the Museum of Weirdness uh, or the Museum of the Weird in uh, Austin, Texas. And that that particular day, I had my pixelated paranormal T-shirt on, and uh, we were in in the gift shop, and the guy's like, hey, that's a pretty smooth-looking graphic you got there, buddy. You mind if I take a picture? I'm like, you sure can. He's like, now... What's uh what's pixelated paranormal? Tell me about that. What does it mean? I'm like, well, my buddy and I we uh, do a podcast. No shit, you do a podcast. Where y'all from? Uh, Wichita, <laughs> Kansas. You're all the way here from Wichita, Kansas. I was like, yes, sir. And uh, he was like, well, where can I listen to you? So I told him like, you know, YouTube, uh, you know, Facebook Live, all all the mm-hmm. revenues that you can listen to a podcast. He's like, I'm gonna listen to your show. So. Uh, I didn't catch your name, sir, but uh, to the gift shop attendant at the Museum of Weird in Austin, uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, thank you for buying the frozen Bigfoot body, which may or may not be real. I like to believe that it's uh-huh. real, but it was really cool to see that because we, we've talked about it. And it's like, dude, what the fuck happened? Yeah, this yeah, thing? yeah. Yeah, it's in Austin, Texas. So, uh, huh. And should... this is not the one that Rick Dyer, you know, put on ice, no, so no, to speak. No, no, no. This is the original <laughs> okay. one from the fifties. Um, it's uh-huh. you, and they got the old uh, um, uh, unsolved mysteries video playing in the background where they actually talk about it on the show, and you're like, holy, holy fuck, man! Like, how much did you guys spend on this uh, frozen body? <laughs> So, right. But, uh, so well, that, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. After, after that, we made our way to Gainesville, Texas. There is a house there that you can rent overnight. Uh, they've renamed it Hill House Manor. Um, and it is supposedly one of the, uh, most haunted 
I, I always like that because everybody says that, right? The most haunted. Uh, mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. supposed to be the most haunted house in Texas. And uh, you can go and you can investigate overnight. So you check in at 6 p.m. You, you can stay all the way till 8 a.m. Um, if you choose to. They, uh, outside of the, of the kitchen, they have a little... Uh, desk with two computer monitors that are hooked up to about 16 cameras throughout the whole entire house that have night vision mm -hmm. on it. Uh, so you have like your little like captain station where HQ where you can monitor what's going on. And then um, you basically have free reign of the house to investigate to see what happens and see what you get, what, you know, basically whatever experiments you want to do. So uh, Albert, Jeffrey, and I, we, we, did, we did that, and uh, supposedly there were uh, murders that took place uh, in the uh, back of the house, which they dubbed the murder room, um, and uh, there is a uh, ghost of a guy upstairs that when it was a bordello, um, he hates women, and so sometimes you can get him to be very belligerent if you have a female ghost mm -hmm. hunter. Uh, he'll be like, you know, go fucking fuck off, you piece of shit. And uh, the, some of the EVPs are very explicit. Uh, sometimes uh -huh. uh, because uh, there were sex workers in the house, some of the ghosts can uh -huh. come across very horny. So uh, the, <laughs> yeah. Horny or womanizing, you choose. Right. And there are um, two reports of a, a kid, a child ghost, one named Charles, and a ghost cat that uh, is roaming around the house. And uh, so I put together, uh, Jeffrey had left to go get some flashlights for us because we wanted to do the whole flashlight experiment where you barely unscrew the flashlight and uh, where there's maybe like a millimeter worth of a connection there. Mm -hmm. And um, you can ask them to turn it on for yes or no, and they can bridge that gap and make the flashlight turned on. So she left to go to Walmart to go do that. And, so Albert and I were like, "What do we do?" And I'm like, "Fuck it, let's let's go back." And so, the, the <laughs> that part of the house, there's no electricity. Um, it's very dilapidated. Uh, there was like it was raining very heavy that night. So one part of the room, like you could see the water dripping down, and it, we looked like we were probably oh, going to die because it, it is it is not good, right? Uh -huh, and. Uh -huh. So they, they have what they call the well room. Um, so when you walk into that side of the house, you have, like, the living room, and then the next room is the well room, and they have the old well uh, that's uh, got the glass over it, and you can look down, and you can see the well. And then you go to the back, and that's where the murder room is. And so Albert and I are in the well room. And um, so I, I pieced together basically that whole, it was 20 minutes worth of recordings uh, from the well room uh -huh. to the murder room. And I, I pieced this together so that, because uh, there's several different hits uh, where we, uh, you know, ask for a name and we get it. Um, uh -huh. There is a ghost at the end. Uh, so it's, it's about five minutes. So when we get toward about the 4.15, five minute mark, um, uh -huh. there is a ghost that repeatedly says hubba hubba. Hubba hubba, after everything that we say. <laughs> now, okay. we we had the ghost box on, but I had it in reverse, and I had it at a hundred sweeps per second, and so you have uh -huh. to think that you're going across multiple channels, and it kept coming up, hubba hubba, hubba hubba, hubba hubba, after everything that we said, 
And uh, it was after we asked who did the murders in that room. And uh, so I'm just I'm just going to play it. You guys, you know, figure out you hear what you hear. So Mm -hmm. get ready. Um, Check your audio real quick before you hit play. You're getting a little bit of reverb. Little little echo per chance. I don't know if that'll throw off your audio. How about now? Give me the thumbs up when you're ready to go. William, are you still or Will or William? Are you still with us? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Will, I'm going to uh, come over here and I'm going to knock on this closet door. Um, can you knock back for me? Elton, are you still with us? If anybody who is present with us, can you make a noise in the house to let us know that you're here? Elton, are you still present with us? We are still unsure of the female voice that we are hearing. Can you tell us your name? If your name was May, can you say yes over the ghost box? Was your name Elsa?
If you wish to communicate with us with this device, you have to use all of your energy directed toward it. Communicate clearly. I'm going to include that in the audio portion as well. It was a little shrill just playing it off of my phone, you know, speaker. But yeah, I definitely it, heard you had you had responses for sure. Yeah, we get a lot of responses. And then, like I said, that last minute, if uh, I don't know how many times you heard it, but he kept saying like hubba hubba like four or five mm-hmm. different times. And it's like, what? The? And then he's like, just help me. Hubba hubba, hubba hubba hubba. And we're like, hubba hubba hubba. What the fuck? <laughs> But you found the ghost of Elvis Presley, man. Yeah. And then so Jeffrey gets back and we go back in there because we heard a, a EVP, uh, like a whisper that said Samantha. And mm-hmm. so we start saying, you know, Samantha, were you the one that was whining? We're making the whimpering noise. How can we help you? And the minute we asked, how can we help? Like we we want to help you. Like, everything mm-hmm. just shut down. Like, we weren't getting dick on, like, the ghost box. We weren't getting dick on the recordings. Um, like, the little cat balls that we had set up, like, none of that was going off. Uh, there was no more, like, knocking on. Because uh, if we were downstairs, you could hear somebody, like, walking upstairs, creaking on the floor or, like, slamming doors. All of that stopped. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just done at that point. And it's... 3:30 ish like we're bo- we're all just mm-hmm. like worn out we're fucking tired and we're like we're dude we're not sleeping on the floor like this place smells like mold we're probably gonna like die or something so let's just go see <laughs> let's go see if we can check into a hotel so we called and they're like yeah you know it's like you know it's six minutes up the street they're like if you get here real quick you can check in and uh you know you guys can have a late checkout so we're like great let, let's go do that let's go check in real quick i was like hey let's just let's just go back to the murder room like one last time because it's only the hotel's only six minutes away so we got 40 minutes mm-hmm. to get there let's just go back one more time and we turned on the sb7 and we were asking questions and right toward the end it's like fuck you Fuck off! Get the fuck out! And we're just like, all right. Well, I mean, I guess, uh, I guess we're done. Uh, <laughs> bye. <laughs> See you later. Right. Wow. So, yeah. Interesting, huh? Well, you had a lot more action than I can say we had at Melvern Manor when uh, Big Dobbs and I and Shayla and Hill were out there. But that's that's pretty cool, man. I haven't yeah. messed too much with that ghost box like you have used, but I mean. You definitely had hits and responses for pretty much everything you asked. So that's pretty impressive in its own yeah. right. So, hell yeah, dude. And uh, the uh, first night that Albert and I met up, like I, I said last episode, we had like this really great like 
two-hour conversation that could have been turned into a podcast because he was like, tell me about mm-hmm. this. Tell me what you think about this. Tell me what you think about this. And we would just talk. <laughs> and so um, they – so Jeffrey and I, right now, we live right out in between Andover and Augusta. So growing up, uh, her, Albert, and uh, their uh, sister and little brother – they lived right outside of Augusta in between, like, um, kind of like Augusta and Rose Hill. So they, um, Albert had grown up, like, you know, with the grandparents, and they were going down Thunder mm-hmm. Road. So anybody who lives in the area right outside of Augusta, that that little stretch of highway that takes you from Augusta to Winfield, that is called Thunder Road. And... Albert remembers being in the car in the back seat and uh, it's probably late in the evening and he kind of fallen asleep for a little bit. And then he woke up to his grandparents kind of bickering back and forth. And he said, I remember grandma saying like, well, it had red eyes. What, what the hell was that? It had red eyes. It had wings. And, uh, you know, they, they were like, was it like Bigfoot? Was it this? And they were going back and uh-huh. forth. And uh, the grandfather was like, no, it was it was a tall man. It was no Bigfoot. It, I mean, it looked like a man, but its eyes were glowing red. And so as we're talking, Albert's like, I th- I think that uh, Grandma and Grandpa saw Mothman. I think that was a, was a Mothman sighting because it was extremely tall. It had wings and it had red eyes. And they were both bickering back and forth on what it was. And huh. both of his grandparents were re, re, uh, were re, religious, uh, so the fact that mm-hmm. they're having a conversation about it and they didn't jump to the conclusion that it was a demon or anything. Um, and Albert's grandfather was a firm believer in Bigfoot, so he's like, you know, if Grandpa thought it was Bigfoot, he would have been like, it's a fucking Bigfoot. Because Bigfoot sometimes are reported to have glowing eyes, like red or whatever color it is. Um, but he's like, no, like the way they're describing it uh, – he thinks Mothman, man. That's interesting. Um, I've never heard of any stories of Mothman in Kansas specifically, but I know there is kind of a lesser known cryptid from Kansas City called the Kansas City Demon. And it's said to, uh, let's see here, have a 12-foot wingspan. It looks like an ugly man with webbed wings, tall red eyes, and strong enough to shake a house when it's landed on top of a couple of them. So, I mean... Who's to say it wasn't, dude? You know? Yeah. Hmm. We just we just hmm. added to hmm. the mystery. Holy shit. Holy <laughs> right? shit. Yeah, no kidding. That's fucking wild. Well, you just kind of cracked the surface here, so we'll get on into it. Preston, that was our first story. We have seven more to share with you guys. So without further ado, let's just get into it. This one comes from Shane, and he titles it, The Cabin and the Handprint. So I recently got back from a week-long vacay with my wife in Colorado. We were up there in the mountains for a while, and we were staying in a little Airbnb cabin. Did a lot of great stuff like hiking and swimming, stuff you do in the mountains. But something strange also happened. Now the first night we were there, things were peaceful enough, nothing worth mentioning. We ate dinner at a local pizzeria, We had a few beers and eventually ended up in our cabin. We both showered and settled in for the night, and we both slept peacefully. But each night after that, I kept having this weird feeling like there was this guy in our cabin. 
It was a weird primal gut feeling like we were being watched by something predatory. Now, where we were staying, it was a small cabin, like a one-bedroom with a couch and a bathroom, and you could pretty much see the whole place from the bed, except the bathroom, which we frequented each night before bed. So there was no way anybody could have been there with us. But anyway, each night as I was falling asleep, I got this feeling that there was this guy in the cabin. And each night, I would act like I was just looking outside the windows to see the view from the cabin. But honestly, I was lying to my wife and actually I was looking for the intruder that I swore was stalking us nightly. But I never see anything or anyone. But each night as I'd fall asleep, I would swear I remember hearing him say, Okay, rest now. It's okay. It's time for me to take you. And each night before bed, I would just pass out. It's fucking weird, right? Well, it's going to get weirder because I can also remember waking up a few times in the middle of the night, around 3 or 4 in the morning, and the interior of the cabin would be flickering like there were lights being flashed on and off randomly just outside the windows of the cabin. And even if I wanted to get up and investigate, I'd have this weird feeling like I wasn't supposed to. Anyway, we still had a great trip, and I never asked my wife if she'd experienced or noticed anything, because let's be honest, I was fucking terrified, and I didn't want to ruin a perfectly good trip. Well, the story doesn't end there. Because when we got home from the trip, after we unpacked and both took showers after being on the road for about 12 hours, my wife went to bed, and I decided to stay up later to watch TV and just decompress from the long car ride. And then, at some point, I must have fallen asleep on the couch, and when I woke up, I went in the bathroom to take a pee. And when I went in to wash my hands, I kid you not, in the dried-up toothpaste that was in the sink bowl, there was a three-fingered handprint in the sink. Our sink had been having issues draining properly, and I know it's kind of gross, but the sink bowl is usually white with toothpaste residue from it draining slowly. But there it was, a wet, three-fingered handprint in the sink, like three long, skinny fingers and a long thumb. And I know what you guys will all say, especially Steven. Where the fuck's the photo? Pics or it didn't happen, right? Well, here's the part that makes my eyes water. I saw it, and I knew what it was, and as soon as I saw it, it's like something popped in my head and said, No, wash your hands now, no pictures, no proof. And as I was like, Oh damn, where's my phone? My hand reached toward and turned on the water, immediately washing away the handprint. It was like I had a second inner voice telling me I wasn't allowed to show anybody else. WTF and yours truly, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> We're off to a bang already, buddy. I would have been like, fuck you, voice. I do what I want. And then you know, yeah. take the picture, my phone explodes in my hand. I'm like, no. Yeah, right. Right, exactly. Yeah. You take a picture and you drop it in the sink full of dirty water. What? All right. Up next from our buddy Scott over at Global Strangers. So I only have around 10 or so paranormal experiences myself, and most of them are super short and uneventful. 
And the one I'm bringing up isn't all that much better, but here, here it goes. So I had never really thought too much about ghosts till I met my wife, and she would bring them everywhere we went. It wasn't just me that started seeing the weird stuff either. We used to roll around uh, 20 deep, and everyone had eventually had their own story when my wife started hanging out. Whether we were sleeping in the garage where we would have uh, band practice or in the desert where we would party. Just a couple people or the whole damn flock, we started noticing little things. Even my boomer mom started blaming my <laughs> wife for haunting her house, and that's where this particular incident takes place. My wife and I were alone upstairs, and this was around 5 to 6 p.m. Summertime, still bright as fuck outside. Most of the time, it didn't happen during the night, but we heard the cabinet door slam shut in the kitchen downstairs. By this time, this was kind of normal. I uh, had heard it before. My mom, even my dad had heard it by this point. Normally, you'd hear two or three within five to ten minute, a five or ten minute period, or what sounded like the cutting board being lifted and then dropped. This was a house I didn't really know, know too well to add in. Just for reference, I was kicked out when uh, we moved into the house and didn't come back to see my parents for a while. I just chalked it up as the old house settling type of stuff, but I'm rambling. So my wife and I hear the first noise, and she uh, quiets down and asks, Did you hear that? Yeah, I responded, and then immediately restart the conversation, and a minute or two later, we hear the second one. My wife has a look of curiosity in her face uh, the entire time from the first bang on the stairs to the second one and ask me again. Yeah, it's a noise. So this had happened a couple more times and then I'm starting to second guess myself. So I started taunting the ghosts, saying stuff at first like, you bitch, just come up here. You fucked up. You making up the stairs quicker, bitch. This is where it starts getting a little more interesting. Uh... Captain Scott, for future reference, uh, you shouldn't do shit like that. Ask our buddy Rob Bones. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you're a regular uh, Zach Bagans. Yeah. <laughs> Come at me, ghost. So the noises that would happen like every couple of minutes are happening almost immediately after I taunt the thing yelling out of my door. At first, I really didn't think it was like cats jumping on the stairs, but the longer it happened, the sound went from a cat jumping uh, off the little stair shelf onto the wooden step to sounding literally like someone was stomping on the steps. Just to add in, uh, these steps were uh, the shitty hollow wood ones uh, with the storage pantry beneath, so that shit would echo. Things start to pick up now. I'm drunk, probably a little high too, but I'm second-guessing my own beliefs. Shit's uh, not really a, a joke anymore. I don't know what it is. So I go up to the... Uh, staircase thinking that shit's uh, going to stop now. At this point the sh uh, the shirt is off and I'm at the top of the stairs screaming at this thing like we're going <laughs> to go to blows. Every time I scream the stair pounds louder and closer. The time in between the steps getting quicker and quicker too. Now just to clarify, I'm hearing this shit that is right in front of me but I'm not seeing carpet move or shadows or anything uh, like that, but I'm looking right where the noises are coming from, and my wife is yelling at me to get back into the room. So I continue to try to mad dog this shit for like three or four steps, then I bitch out <laughs> and go back. As soon as I do, the steps aren't happening uh, every three seconds anymore. They did keep coming, though, 
I changed the conversation when I get back into the room, and yes, I did shut the door. The steps weren't as loud, but they did continue. There were 19 footsteps, and well after things calmed down, I went and I counted, and including the landing in the middle of the stairs, there were 19 steps. Now, I have passed off a lot of stuff in my life uh, as an anomaly or a coincidence, but this and a few other things, I don't really know what happened. Some people will pass it off on the drugs and drink, but I've been pretty far gone for periods of time, and this just ain't how that works. My wife has a... my wife has noticed this type of stuff in a, in a few of the many houses we've moved into since uh, when we first got together. I don't talk about it, and I have uh, to come uh, and I have come to hotbox every uh, new place we move into uh, with Sage. <laughs> I noticed some things myself when uh, the older kids were young, but stick by the method and haven't seen shit in like ten to twelve years. No Ouija boards are allowed in my house, and I don't care. Uh, if I don't believe it's just the case. Congratulations on 300. When's the next episodes of 13 Nightmares? <laughs> Holy shit, man. That's fantastic. Um, so Scott, of course, is one of the hosts from our friends over at Global Strangeness. So definitely give them a shot. Give them a listen. Um, Scott, thanks for sharing that, dude. That is just bonkers. And I fully agree. No Ouija boards in the house. But um, you got some goals, you know chasing after that thing and standing at the top of the stairs, you know, yelling and screaming at it because I don't know, I'd like to say I would have that kind of, you know, goal as well, but I don't know. I think I'd be more like the stay in the bedroom and keep the door shut kind of guy. Uh, fuck, I'd be like, come on, pussy, come get me. <laughs> but you know, what's funny is like my first real big um, ghost related incident happened when I was drunk as well. Um, and I've told the story a bunch of times, so I won't have to share it again. But yeah, when I was, um, we had uh, one too many Jaeger bombs at the karaoke bar. And my wife and I had gone back to our uh, apartment. And I woke up in the middle of the night, you know, jazzed on caffeine and still buzzed on alcohol. And that's when our closet door started opening itself uh, in our apartment. So yeah, I fell asleep, woke up thinking, man, I was just really drunk last night. And then I look over and the closet door is open and it would continue to open with the light turning itself on for um, a year or so after that. So yeah, dude, I definitely want to say that I believe that uh, this stuff happens whether you are or are not sober. Well, why don't we move on into another uh, drug-related story? Now, this story comes from an anonymous source. Okay, I'm just going to start with the description of my DMT trip. And just know, I was drunk already when I did it, and it was suggested to me because of all the trauma and how broken I was and felt for such a long time. So I took my hit, and my friends told me to lay with my head back on the couch. When I see this in my memory, everything looks the same as it did while I was on the DMT, which I describe like, everything appearing to just have layers of gelatin cubes on it. But well, I mean, even before that moment, like setting it all up, before I even took my hit, my memory looks like that, like I was tripping. I can't see it any other way in my head, and that fucked me up for a while. But it's whatever, I don't know. Anyways, I felt like I got sucked up into space, and while I was going up, I saw the entirety of all existence from start to end in two seconds. For one moment, I knew every single thing. 
When I stopped and felt myself burst into all these tiny amoeba-looking guys of all colors that were all around me. They had what I would describe as concerned looks on their faces. Just as I started to question what was happening or understand what they were, I got sucked backwards even harder and faster until I came to the darkness of non-existence. It was the scariest thing I have ever encountered in my life. No sight, no sound, no feeling, no smell, no sensation or thought of anything at all. Just nothing. Pure nothing. Something I never want to experience again. Then after an unknown amount of time, I started to slowly back down and cycled through all the traumatic events I had processed and felt every emotion I hadn't been able to feel before. And then I was there, back on the couch, and I cried and I said, I can't believe how much I feel. Like I came to myself saying that. I've been really on the fence if I'd ever want to try it again. I came out feeling like I saw things I wasn't supposed to see, but it also helped me. I've always been what's considered suicidal, and after that, and feeling non-existence, I no longer want to die. So there's that. I feel like it definitely helped me process everything. I mean, like three people died, including my grandpa, who I was holding with my head on his chest while he left his body, which despite being bittersweet, turns out to be incredibly traumatizing as well. LOL. It made me not feel suicidal at all for like two months, and even now. I'm like, I don't want to not exist. It was almost overnight it made my life better in a huge way. All I know is that non-existence that I experienced was the scariest thing ever. And I hope someday if I end up there, I have no concept of it because I can't imagine being stuck there for eternity. But also, like maybe that is just the hell you go through when you commit suicide. And that's what I feel like what they were trying to show me. I think that's what the end of existence is. So I'm sure it was the same as before. It's such a crazy experience, definitely life-changing, and it was so overwhelming to go through all those emotions that I had shut off. Like, just wild. Damn, I kind of wish Lazarus was with us here to kind of chime in on what he thinks, but uh, holy crap, that's like just like a whole uh, existential out-of-body experience. I kind of attribute that to like that state of conscious you kind of get to whenever you do like the float tank. You know, kind of that far out feeling of like, I don't know, you're not supposed to be there and you're kind of reaching this place you're not supposed to be. But I mean, my experience with the float tank was more positive, uh, very curious and strange, but, you know, more positive and not so empty and terrifying. But I mean, doing all those things, whether it be drugs or meditation or whatever, you're kind of reaching that uh, elevated mindfulness, you know, so definitely got to be somehow related to that area of the brain that we don't really access until you create your own DMT or, uh, you know, take copious amounts of it. All right. Mm -hmm. Up next from D in parentheses, ghost. Hello there. My name is D and I've got a story about our haunted house. Well, haunted houses. If you include the fact that we've actually moved and taken the ghost with us. My husband and I got married, we had a couple of kids, and we raised our family in the same house that my husband grew up in. 
Time went by and both of his parents passed away and we have reasons to believe that they stayed with us. It's not uncommon for us to hear the sound of two sets of feet walking in tandem to a specific rhythm upstairs in the second floor of the house where, uh, when nobody's upstairs. And what's neat is that from what my husband tells me, the area of the house that we can hear the footsteps happens to also be the room that his parents would dance in. They oftentimes find themselves up there with a couple of cocktails and they would be listening to the radio and dancing the night away. Something else interesting here is once we moved into a new home, we still hear all the same strange rhythmic patterns of multiple feet in rooms, which nobody are in. Also, whenever my son isn't home, I can often hear something or someone rummaging through the things in his room. I try to run to the door and look in to see what I can find, and I never see anything, and nothing really seems to be out of place either. But... One night when I was by myself, I said out loud after hearing the noises, is that grandpa going through Frank's things? And I'll be darned, as soon as I asked the question, I didn't hear a woman's voice behind my left shoulder whisper, yes. Something else that happened recently in the house we live in now is that I was making my grandkids some chocolate milk uh, one evening a few months ago. Now, I'm old school, so I like to use the powdery chocolate uh, milk that you put into actual milk and stir around with the spoon because I like the sediment that floats at the bottom that you have to chop up and crunch like you're eating chocolate-covered sand. Don't Shit, that's all. old school. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was in there mixing away two glasses of chocolate milk when I felt a hand of a child pull on the side of my skirt thinking it was my granddaughter being funny because she was nine years old and hadn't tugged on my clothes in a long time while I was in the kitchen. I said, hold on, hold on, I'm hurrying. As I casually glanced over to look at my granddaughter, but instead was standing, what was standing there looked like a five-year-old boy, blonde hair, blue eyes, and transparent. My blood ran a little cold, and I didn't know what to do, and so I instinctively uh, said, oh, there, uh, would you, would you like some chocolate milk too, honey? And the little boy smiled, and his head, uh, and his head and I looked over, and grabbed an empty glass off the counter. Then I heard some uh, things that, uh, then I heard some things that kind of scare me, but, but also, it's kind of sweet. The woman's voice from behind me, I heard, "Would you leave her alone? She doesn't need you messing. She's busy." And I looked down to my right where the little boy had been standing and he was gone. I spun around quickly and I was alone in the kitchen with nobody else. And funny enough, the same day my husband happened to be taking a nap upstairs and later that night he told me the darnest thing happened to him. He was lying in the bed trying to sleep when he felt somebody tugging on the blanket and when he opened his eyes he saw a little blonde-headed kid staring at him by the nightstand, just grinning and waving. My husband said he smiled and pulled his hand out from under the blanket and waved, and then the little boy just trotted off out of the bedroom door. You know, from time to time, we get the feeling like there's a small child in the house watching us along with a woman we can only assume is his mother or caretaker. They never mess with us and never have done us any harm. They just seem to be living in the house with the rest of us, and that's okay because we have a big house and there's plenty more room for ghosts. Fuck. That's a sweet story. <laughs> I, I got a little goosey bumps just reading that. Like, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a sweet story too. Like there's nothing really like terrifying. There's no like banging cabinets. Yeah. It's just like I just uh, little kid wants his chalky milk. Yeah, I just would have you know if that happened to me and that like little kid wanted his chocolate milk and there's another ghost is like leave him alone. I'd be like shut your fucking mouth. I'm gonna make this kid. <laughs> it's my goddamn house now. I really like the idea of just that uh, that powdery chocolate milk powder, man. I used to love that stuff. <laughs> All right, I got a doozy for everybody on this next one here. I wanted to sandwich this one right in the middle because, um, well, you'll see. Another story coming from Anonymous. Here's one for you. First off, out of the care and consideration for my client, in air quotes, we'll call him, for the sake of anonymity, I'm not going to tell you my name nor the guy's name who told me this fantastic story. But being as it's too fucking bizarre to keep to myself... I'm going to tell you what he told me about how one time back in the 70s, he resurrected a dead horse back to life from the dead. Now, stories suck without a name, and I'm not smart enough to write this thing out without slipping up and saying his. So let's try to give him a name, okay? How about Kyle? Kyle's a sweet guy in his now 60s, strong as an ox and sharp as a fucking tack. Super kind, very polite, and horrible with social cues. So anyway, Kyle was born with what some people closest to him called gifts. Empathetic, if you ask me, but to him and his family, these gifts ran deeper than any simple empath. So back in the mid-70s, Kyle's mom was gifted a rare Arabian horse from a family friend who happened to be a popular Vegas lounge singer who had lots of money to burn and gave his closest friends all sorts of weird-ass and overly expensive gifts. And so the horse meant everything to Kyle's mom, more than even himself, Kyle sometimes thought. But one day, Kyle came home from high school and came inside to greet his mom, and he found that she was sitting in the kitchen, just beside herself in complete hysterics. Much to his dismay, Kyle asked his mom what had happened. Because of her state, she could only respond in loud sobs and incoherent screaming. And all Kyle could make out was, The barn! The barn! She's in the barn! And then, She's dead! She's gone! So not really knowing what it was his mom was talking about and worrying that maybe it was a human being like one of the ranch staff who were dead in the barn... Kyle took off like a bat out of hell, straight to the barn, which also acted as the horse stable. And when he got outside, he couldn't believe what he was seeing. His mom's horse lay there, dead as a doornail and stiff as a board. He said he squatted down and got real close to the horse and checked its neck and its body for any signs of a heartbeat. He didn't know how to check for a horse's heartbeat and he was grasping at straws. And as far as he could tell, his mother's horse was indeed dead. So he stood there, just staring for a couple minutes, not really sure what to do, and feeling like he was half in shock. The tongue was hanging out the mouth, and he said that there were bits of gravel and dirt in the horse's eyes, which laid open, staring off in space. Kyle said he fell to his knees, and he crawled over to the horse. Now, he said what he did next, 
he has no real explanation for and has no idea why he did it. But with tears rushing out of his eyes and snot dripping down his nose, he said he picked up the horse's head and laid it in his lap. And then all he said he remembers is he started screaming. He just sat there and looked up at the sky and just started screaming his head off. But he also said, bizarrely, he started squeezing the horse's head between his hands as hard as he could. Until he was squeezing, his whole body was shaking, and he said he felt like he was just full of the whole world's anguish and rage, his mother's sadness and grief. And he just sat there for what he said felt like forever, looking at the sky and squeezing this poor dead horse's head with all his might. And then suddenly, after several minutes... He was shaken out of this weird trance because he felt the horse's body start to twitch and convulse. And he said when he looked down at the horse, it started blinking and flailing and wildly back and forth. And it started spitting and hacking up bits of gravel and dirt that were on its tongue. And then much to his surprise, the horse picked her head up out of his lap, rolled over and stood up. Kyle said he stood up instantly and walked over to the horse and started brushing the dirt and the grass out of its mane and away from its cheeks and then without warning walked off into the pasture and started eating grass like nothing had happened. Kyle said he started instantly crying with tears of joy now instead of rage and he ran inside and he grabbed his mom and drug her outside along with the maid and showed them the horse was now mysteriously, miraculously live and well. As an epilogue to this weird story that I can neither prove nor disprove, taken only at the full face value of my client Kyle, that that horse lived another five years after the incident. Kyle's not sure what the hell happened that day, if he was some kind of necromancer, or a horse whisperer, or who knows, maybe even the whole goddamn pet cemetery wrapped up and shoved inside a man's body. <laughs> but he never tried to raise a dead animal from the dead, since then either so anyway you boys take this and what you think it's worth share it on your show because it sure is paranormal to me and hats off to 300 episodes my best p.s because of the nature of what i do and patient confidentiality this was sent from a burner email so don't bother writing back because I'm shutting it down after I sent this. Holy shit. <laughs> you can't get more anonymous than that outside of... Yeah. yeah. Holy shit, man. Well, I don't even know what to say, dude. I've never heard stories of people raising dead horses back from the dead, but golly. Fuck. I'm just more intrigued yeah. that, like, he sent it from a burner email. Like, <laughs> I never, know. We've never had that. Like, that's a, that's yeah. a really cool 300 episode little check box to mark off like, yeah yeah that's not even on the bucket list because we didn't even think that would happen um i can i gotta you gotta imagine maybe it's like a therapist or some kind of like counselor or something like that you know maybe hr even who knows excuse me who knows but yeah that's bonkers and i love it so from brad parentheses ghost so, more ghost stories. Oh, I just, yeah, I labeled these. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Just to keep things kind of in order. When we moved into my mom's house, the guy we bought it from said it was haunted. Like, watch out, it's haunted. Wink, wink, elbow, elbow, nudge, nudge. 
My brother and I and I were uh, were cool story, old man. My little sister, however, who was maybe seven, she always acted real anxious after we moved in. She couldn't sleep in her room by herself most nights. She slept on the couch or with my folks. Being older brothers, we just teased her. Uh, six months to a year later, we started noticing doors would cl- close and sometimes lock on their own. I would prop mine open only to have it closed again when I got from home from school. Cabinets open or close with no one home. We had this cat named Katie. She never ever left the house. Shortly after the door cabinets bit started, I was home sitting on my bed. Cat was in my lap. I saw a shadow go past the doorway. The cat immediately tensed up and dug her claws into my leg. I got up, looked around, and saw nothing. I went to the closest outside door to the backyard to look. Also nothing. As I went to go back inside, the cat also crossed the backyard and bound over the fence, and we never saw her again. I never saw the shadow again, but the door uh, persisted until at least I moved out. We found out later that the old man and woman who lived there previously both died, one in my room and the other in my sister's. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, shit, you lost a cat. That sucks. Yeah. That's the first time we got one of those, too, a story about someone losing a darn pet. We've got nah, stories written in from I people like about... Cats. I would have been like... Oh, you don't? No. Oh, that's because you are... had one that, you know... Cats are crawled inside your box spring and shit inside of it. <laughs> yeah, cats are assholes. Uh, I'm, do- I'm a dog. Guy. We had st- we had stories about ghost cats before. I remember um, early in the first couple years we started the show, we had a story about a girl who had a pet uh, a pet cat that passed, and she said that it uh, jumped up on the little roof outside her window um, during a snowy you know snowstorm, and she felt like it crawled through the window and laid on the foot of her bed. And then when she woke up the next morning, the cat was gone, but there were cat footprints outside her window in the snow. Well, the last story we have is a pretty long one, so bear with me here, but it's also very bizarre. So I kind of tried to layer these super weird ghosts, super weird ghosts. So here we go. This is from a guy named Chris, and I cataloged this as question mark, question mark, question mark, because I'm not really sure what to think. Anyway. This experience was the only paranormal experience I've ever had. Probably the one and only I will ever have in my life and was one of the most spiritual and also terrifying experiences I've ever had. I'm 26 years old. This experience still scares me to this day. I will never forget walking out of that forest that night and I will remember it for the rest of my life. I've looked all over Google and the internet and Reddit for encounters that were like ours I found absolutely no encounters detailing exactly what I have described us witnessing and me feeling. Back in 2010, in low mainland Fraser Valley, British Columbia, in Canada, approximately in early October or mid-October, when I was 16, my old friend lived in the northwest rural part of my city, and his backyard had five acres of forest with a few houses surrounding in the distance around the outskirts of that five acres. Me and him would go and explore the forest all the time because it was quite mystical and just a cool place to wander and explore. This one time, me and my friend went outside to his forest with his black Labrador retriever, like we would usually do in the daytime, down to the creek, but this time at night in his backyard forest at about 1 a.m. 
we went to explore and smoke a joint like usual, which we were sober at the time and didn't even get to smoking because of the encounter and the being that terrified us. We ended up smoking it inside his basement. <laughs> a little post, uh, what the fuck just happened joint. You go outside the back door into the backyard, and the five-acre forest forms a natural sun trap. There's a specific entrance, which is dense forest brushed area, that you have to go through instead of going through the rough terrain. You can't get through because the forest has a deer fence going across it, except for the entrance to the forest area. There is a proper, safe, natural path to take down to the bottom of the forest and the creek. There's a steep tearaway out of the forest floor when you first walk in. It is only about 20 to 25 feet into the forest area from the entrance of the forest. When we were standing at the top of the cliff tearaway, before the pathway leading down to the rest of the forest and creek at the bottom, which is again the only safe way to walk down, especially at night, I could see a seven to eight foot tall, pure white, soft looking figure about 30 to 40 feet downwards in the forest. And as I focused more on it, it was in between the trees, moving around softly and swaying left to right, back and forth slowly, touching the forest floor in the exact same place the whole time we saw it, making absolutely no sound, and there was absolutely no wind. I wasn't even going to say anything about the figure to my friend at first because I was waiting for my friend to say something. We observed it for a couple seconds in complete silence, and then we were mesmerized by the movements. Then I asked my friend if he saw it, and he said, yeah, and he could see it as well. We stood silent in fear as we were watching it do its strange little unsettling, soft, swaying movements, trying to adjust our eyes to the being to see what it was doing. As we continued watching it for a couple minutes, I felt I was in a slight daze watching it sway, and I started to feel impending doom set in, the sinking feeling in my chest area, like when you're going to die or you're in a life-threatening situation, and I had shivers going throughout my body. That's when I told my friend specifically, I don't like this. He agreed, and we left immediately. I wasn't so much scared of the sight of the being, I was more curious about the strange movements it was making, and that really looked like, oh, and what it really looked like. I was scared of the feeling of death it made me feel, and I was frozen with fear, and I literally felt like I was going to die or something bad was going to happen. We left very quick because we didn't know what it was, but it scared us. And our intuition, my feeling of dread and death, had told us it was dangerous. We didn't want to go check it out, see what it was, and I knew it was time to leave. I remember my friend yelling something at it because he couldn't tell his dog. Sorry. I remember my friend yelling something at it because he could tell his dog was scared. I'm entirely positive this dog was whimpering and the being was just still swaying back and forth, left to right, between the trees in the same exact spot. Almost immediately after we got out of the forest, the left entrance of the forest, which we were not far from, 
It felt like a huge weight had been lifted off my shoulders, and the feeling of dread left pretty much immediately. It was so white, it looked like it was almost shining. But it wasn't because it was giving off any kind of light of any sort, or illuminating the ground or the trees around it. You could see the shadow being cast while it was swaying in the pitch-black forest like it was a real animal. It appeared to be opaque. It looked solid enough to the point where you couldn't see through it at all. It was solid white, and it appeared to be three-dimensional. It looked soft and kind of shiny, and it was just swaying left to right, right to left, with two really long arms. It looked bulky and strong at the top of the shoulder areas where the head would be, but there was no head that we could see. The two long arms, or legs, looked like the frontal view of an ape's forearms that would look like if they were crawling on all fours, as if two long legs were hunched in front. The best way I can describe it was seven to eight foot, thin, separated curtains, <coughs> curtains in the shape of an upside-down V or a U that were touching the floor, swaying left to right, back and forth, in a specific motion, with no sound at all, absolutely no wind, dead silent. The movements were psychedelic and sort of hypnotizing. The texture of it was soft, like Charlie's white spirit entering Peter's body after the attic scene from Hereditary. Probably the most solid description I can give of what the texture looked like in person, besides the Fresno Nightcrawler Yosemite video, and also the Ghost of Gettysburg's Triangular Fields video. It was making no sound at all, and it was swaying. It was beautiful to look at, and terrifying and unsettling at the exact same time. That's why it was so astonishing to look at. It was almost angelic. There were absolutely no sounds in the forest, it was dead silent while it was moving back and forth. Its movements could have been a lure of some sort because it didn't move towards us or anywhere. It just was letting us know to stay away because it was scared to death as well or it just didn't want us to disturb it. It was literally something you would see in a science fiction movie. It was not a trick of the mind or light. There was no light or moonlight shining in the forest because it was filled with tall Douglas fir trees, cedar trees and other, uh, other vegetation, and the creature was downwards from us, deeper in the pitch-black forest. The forest also had various levels and rough terrain in certain parts due to the natural tearaway at the ground when you first walk in, which consisted of a lot of clay at the bottom where the tearaway had occurred. The forest was on a downward slant, and when you first walked in its pathway, you can take it to get down safely where the creature was approximately standing. There was no real possible way of any light even entering the forest, nor any light in the proximity. The houses were distanced too far apart, and the forest goes pretty steep. Probably about a good 50 to 60 feet down till you get to the creek at the very bottom. It was pitch black in the forest. It was not a spider web or fog or any garbage, a weather balloon, prankster, or material, as a couple of people have ignorantly and stupidly suggested to me. We had gone back in the morning, in the daylight, to approximate where we thought it was standing, and we saw nothing out of the ordinary. We even looked for prints, but there was nothing we could notice. 
It was also difficult because of the ground being thickly covered in Douglas fir needles and other debris. His forest was a good, pristine condition because no one would ever go into it. It was a private forest located in people's backyards. In a part of town where people just don't go walking, there were no houses close enough to give off any light or give off shine through the trees, and the being was not see-through. It looked like it was almost solid, but it was very ghostly or spirit-like. It was upside down in a V or U shape, and it had no facial features or a head that we could see in the dark. There's absolutely no animals in northern British Columbia, Canada, or the rest of Canada and U.S. that look closely like what we saw. There's absolutely no animals that are seven to eight feet tall and stand on two legs. There aren't even any animals in other countries that come close to what we saw. It didn't have a body. It's just two legs or limbs that were its body. It wasn't an animal. There were no possible ways to debunk this. I have explored all the options of what this could be. This was the first time we ever went out in this forest at night, and that was the last time we ever went out <laughs> at night as well. The five acres of forest is the biggest area of woods in that area. Around the town, it's mostly just a couple million dollar houses, farm and forest areas, and it's pretty much the green belt in my city. He has no neighbors that are close to the location because, as I said, his forest is five acres, with the closest neighbor being about three blocks down the street on the right-hand side of the forest. To this day, the feeling that I had when I saw that being move still gives me shivers, and I feel lucky to be alive. The fact that we went out to the forest at that time really late at night and happened to see that, it freaks me out as well because it's clearly meant to be seen by us. If we went out any later or longer, we might not have seen it in the forest at the moment in time. Like I said, I didn't have to point out to my friend where the being was. He automatically saw it at the same time I did. I think the feeling of dread could have possibly been a warning to keep away from it. And that's why me and my friend left right away without any hesitation. Like I said, this is the only paranormal experience I have ever had. There was no paranormal activity that I experienced when I would go to my friend's house or on his property in the forest besides the one experience or encounter I mentioned. My friend never mentioned seeing anything strange or having any paranormal experiences in or around the house prior to our encounter. Now that I think back, the whole experience, hanging outside there and exploring the woods, is for sure something special. I understand that a lot of people are scared of these types of things, and they don't want to believe that they exist. But you would have to be there yourself to understand what it looked like, to see the creeping movements and feel what I felt. Seeing one of those beings up close is a spiritual experience that you need to experience and see for yourself to really understand what it was like. I have scaled my friend's forest around the creek area, where we saw the supernatural being at least 20 different times in different days beforehand before we saw it and went back days after to the exact spot where we saw the being in the forest and noticed nothing out of the ordinary. We both knew it was some sort of being and it was something we shouldn't have seen or attempted to go up to. Now he also includes um, a further little note here. Here is my full description of the being a.k.a. Nightcrawler, that me and my friends saw. 
seven feet tall, pure white. And I mean pure white. I mean paper bone white. Not see-through, just two pure white long limbs from what I could see in the dark. It was so white it looked like it was almost giving off light, but because it was not shining or illuminating the trees or the ground, I'm pretty sure you could see the shadow from it moving back and forth in the same place between the trees. It looked bulky and strong at the top of the shoulder area where the head would have been, but there was no head I could see. Uh, and he kind of just kind of goes on to talk about it. Uh, Three-dimensional, V-shaped, upside down. Uh, yep, so on and so forth. So it it sounds a lot like those Fresno Nightcrawlers, dude. We've never talked about them, but that's what it sounds like to me. We've talked about the Nightcrawlers. <laughs> we just haven't, okay. deep, we haven't deep dived the Nightcrawler. It's like... Back in the day when we do like five cryptids in one episode, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we hit we briefly did like oh the night crawler this is what it is and Jerry and Janine mm -hmm. Smith saw it one time in the summer of nineteen seventy. <laughs> okay, right, right, hell yeah. I wonder if this isn't something that people encounter during missing four one one. Probably. Nobody else saw the thing, you know. It's not just out there stalking around. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. You so. know, it, it also so. reminds me of like uh, stories of the rake that that one guy was like, "The rake is creepy pasta." I thought this was a paranormal podcast. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. Okay. <laughs> Slow news day, buddy. Yeah, three hundred episodes <laughs> in. Right. Clearly, yeah. the rake yeah. is a thing because this guy fucking saw it. It's hard to believe some of that stuff that you find on Reddit just because of that shit, but. Man, I don't know. Um, this guy offered to actually jump on the show sometime with us and delve deeper into it. So we may have to jump on a Discord call or a Zoom call with him and kind of have a chat, man. So maybe we do another um, Krypton encounter and focus sheerly on the Fresno Nightcrawlers, perhaps. Fuck yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> yep. Hell yeah, man. Well, I think that about does it as far as the... Uh, the stories go for this episode. And uh, Unless fire, you've got anything else fire, to add. Fire Pixie, I, I did set up a notification that we were live streaming through Restream, like Lazarus suggested. I don't know that it worked. But uh, since uh, you were late to the show, we are live streaming again this evening at 10 p.m. Uh, <laughs> for, for a little D&D. &D, and I promise that the fucking microphones will be on. And... Captain Scott, when you're like, where are the goddamn maps? I've done my due diligence ahead of time, and I got the fucking map loaded in there so you don't just see our, our faces. You actually get to play along with us. So if you want to nerd out a little bit and watch us play some D&D &D with the Pixelated Play and uh, Rob and Jordan, join us 10 p.m. this evening. I'm telling you now in case the notifications don't work. Hell yeah. Hey, uh, Lazarus said he got the notification too, so. Hmm. I blame the spirits. That's who I blame. Well, let's thank everybody, man. We had a lot of people tuning in today to watch, um, especially, let's see here, Rashid Jurgens was just out stream hopping and landed on our stream, so thanks a lot, Rashid, for joining us and watching. Lazarus, you managed to jump on there for a little bit, man. Welcome. Hope the family's doing well. Fire Pixie, I wore an even thinner tank top. To I, wore a, episodes, I, wore a, so. I, I wore a thick one, so that way you kind of get mm -hmm. the full gambit. You get a, you get the thin and the <laughs> thick. <laughs> there you go. I don't think I have any thinner besides wearing my wife's tank tops, but who knows? That could happen. Maybe on our next late night episode. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've got one of those cooking. Don't you worry, guys. Nice and juicy, nice and wet for you. Well, as always, if you guys are on the social medias, please give us a follow on Instagram. We are at PXL Paranormal on Instagram. If you're on Facebook, we are the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Presto, talk to me a little bit about where people can watch us at. So you can watch us on YouTube. We're up to 284 subscribers. Uh, so we, we've gained, I think last time we were like 282, so we've we've gained a yeah. couple in the last couple we've days. we gained a two in two days. That ain't bad. Yeah, that ain't bad. So if uh, you notice the uh, Nickelodeon green cum splat down at the bottom of the screen that says like and subscribe, I'd probably follow those directions. Like and subscribe. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. Lazarus says 287. Oh, shit. Uh, so... We've gained a few more since I last checked it 20 minutes ago, so that's awesome. Uh, yeah, buddy, so, look at us go. Uh, Rumble, you can catch us on Rumble. We only have 10 followers on Rumble, so here's the thing <laughs> I don't get about Rumble. It says that like each video has, I don't know, 150 to 300 views, right? So, But we only have 10 fucking followers. Dude, if you're, if you're watching us that much on Rumble... Because, uh, I mean, the video is pretty consistent with views. It's not like we have, like, 20 views on one and then miraculously, like, a, you know, 200 on the other. Like, they're all up there. So I know people are watching the content on there. God damn it. Like and subscribe and share with all your friends. <laughs> Kick. Right. We, we haven't figured out Kick yet, uh, but apparently <laughs> we have three followers on Kick. So fuck I, yeah, I, dude. Fuck yeah. Shout out to the three followers on Kick. We appreciate you. Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, also we're getting uh, notifications that uh, we have people watching, watching us on Facebook Live. So if you're on mm -hmm. Facebook, watch us on Facebook Live. We appreciate that. And uh, mm -hmm. I cooked up Absolutely. something special for you and Alan once again. So you let me know. Uh, oh. You let me know when you're ready, baby. Yeah, put them on the glass, man. Let me hear it. Here we go. Need a beard? Want a beard? Do you want the best damn beard possible ladies and gentlemen have you ever encountered a frisky ghost who just can't resist saying hubba hubba well fear not because we have the perfect solution for you introducing big dobbs beard balm and the sweet tobacco scent picture this <laughs> you're peacefully sitting at home minding your own business when suddenly you feel a chill in the air you turn around, and there it is, a mischievous ghost whispering, hubba hubba, hubba hubba, <laughs> in your ear. But hey, don't let that spook you. Instead, let's focus on the incredible scent of Big Dob's beer bomb and sweet tobacco. It is so good, it could make your family cat run away. Crafted with the <laughs> utmost care and a touch of supernatural charm, Big Dob's Beard Bomb is the secret weapon for any man looking to tame his facial hair and attract attention from both the living and the afterlife. Our sweet tobacco scent is a captivating blend of rich aromas and smooth notes, guaranteed to make your beard the envy of both earthly and ethereal. But be warned, gentlemen, with great beard power comes great responsibility. Big Dobbs tobacco scented beer bomb may cause frisky ghosts to follow you around and whisper sweet nothings into your ear. So whether you're dealing with a frisky ghost or simply want to turn heads with your irresistible beard, Big Dobbs beer bomb and sweet tobacco is your ticket to supernatural success. And here is a special treat for you listeners. Use promo code <laughs> PXLPARA for a haunting 
perfectly good 20% off your order. Get it all. Get it at Dobbs. Because when it comes to beards, we've got the magic touch. Visit our website now and unlock the power of the ultimate beard with Big Dobbs Beard Bomb. Big Dobbs, the key to a beard that's so good, even spirits can't resist. Holy shit, man. Yeah. Shit fire, save the matches. That was intense. Um, hey, Alan, I hope you have a supernatural chub right now, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I think now that we've done 300 episodes, we ought to... Um, Albert, we ought to check, your, our check your email, motherfucker. I sent you those EVPs, unless I sent it to the wrong email. <laughs> Pretty sure I did. Oh, shit, man. Um, we should re-record our intro, our outro, and I should make some new intro, outro music now that it's been about eight years and 300 episodes, man, and uh, have you uh, do another voiceover for our intro and outro. Yeah. So, real quick, some insight here onto Kick, apparently. Scott says, you got to talk more about Trump and how liberals suck on Rumble and, oh, sorry, on Rumble and BitChute. Uh, Lazarus said, extreme MAGA aliens and cryptids tonight on Rumble. Um, birds aren't real. Jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. Trump, guns, and Jesus. Keanu right. Reeves, the vampire. Rumble, if you're listening. <laughs> Trump, 2027. <laughs> Let's go. That shit, Donnie. That's what we're talking about. All right. Get us followers. Jesus. Wow, we. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You got to go really deep for that, I guess. <laughs> Oh, well. Well, hey, everybody, thank you so much for watching and listening and following us for so long. Um, eight years, um, 300 episodes, technically more because we've had a few specials that didn't count. Um, it's been fun. We enjoy it. We have a lot of fun. Um, we'll just keep on going, I guess. I mean, why stop now, right? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, the, get to, like, you know, I say 2,700 episodes. Let's commit. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of episodes, and we're, what, 10% into that? Yeah. 9% into that? Cool. And that works unless, for me, man. Unless one of us dies, you know? Commitment. That's true. Then we really got to do the old uh, paranormal co-host, you know? One of yeah. us come in, and we just do a Ouija board. That'd be cool. Um, the goal this time around, now that we hit 300, um, more interviews, more special guests, more teaming up, and uh, cross-promoting on podcasts. We got to get Lazarus and Scott back on here. A whole lot. Our buddy Chris. Um, we've had a few people reach out via email. A couple podcasts reach out. And oddly enough, our email is kind of filling up with authors wanting to do interviews to promote their books. So, I mean, who knows? If we get some um, that are worthy, we might as well do that as well. I got a couple, and I'm not going to shame the authors, but I've got a couple that were mailed to the house. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Kind of some of that's uh, rumble material, if you catch what I'm saying here. So, oh, well, um, I mean, yeah, we haven't <laughs> have special rumble content, we might as well do it. Come on, yeah. Um, we've had some good ones come through as well, but there's been a couple, um, about how to like fend off alien invasions and stuff like that, where it's just kind of like, well, this sounds like great content, and then no, it's it's a lot of crystals and a lot of stuff like that, and I don't know if that's really the content we go for. But um, also, I will promote this book. This book was fan-fucking-tastic. Daniel Krauss has a book out um, a couple years now called Bent Heavens. And Preston, if you want to borrow that, it's pretty good. It's a nonfiction. Uh, it was pretty fantastic. But overall, the rest of the books I've received were 
just really uh, dust catchers for the bookshelf. But mm. <laughs> we might as well just roll the dice on a couple of these, man. We didn't do Daniel because his schedule was really busy. I did try to set that up, but by the time I got the book and read it, um, his agent said he was already on, you know, promoting the next thing. He actually co-wrote The Living Dead, which is a book, a novel that he finished um, rewriting and finishing for um, George A. Romero, actually. It's the final book of the installment of the uh, of the dead books. So, yeah, the guy's busy. It would have been cool to land him, but who knows? Maybe we'll get some people uh, in the future, but why not? If you're in the Wichita area, please stop by and see our dear friend Leslie and the rest of the gang at CD Trade Post, Pawnee and Seneca. If you're in the mood for something tasty, stop by and see the Paranormal Egg Experience Food Truck or Paranormal.cafe. That's their brick and mortar. And with that, let's raise the glass. Let's just say uh, cheers to all you guys for listening and being with us for so long. Cheers to 300 episodes and cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us who love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.